When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Beekeeping for Newbies. Well folks, it's pretty exciting. Here we are. We finally made it to episode 7. We've gone through all the overview and the intro and the hardware and all that exciting stuff. And now it's time to get down to the nitty gritty. I'm pretty pumped. I mean, I think that, you know, this wasn't the worst winter ever. It really wasn't that bad. We didn't see a lot of teens and 20s and... You know, but there's just something about the spring and everything's starting to blossom and bloom and grass is growing again and, you know, kids are getting out of school and getting ready for summer. So I'm pretty excited. This is definitely rolling up into my favorite time of year, especially when you get the chance to see all of the hives and the colonies that have successfully overwintered. And, uh, you know, I'm looking out my window right now and I would say that I've got this, this one colony that overwintered extremely well, very, very strong colony. I mean, this colony is acting like one that I would expect to see around April or May. I mean, the bees are hustling. They didn't miss a beat. So I'm just pretty pumped up about that and just kind of really looking forward to the upcoming bee season here. So as it relates to the podcast and bringing everything back together, I wanted to cover in this episode, kind of do a review of a couple of things that we're going to need to make sure we're ready for and we have on hand as we go into the specifics of this episode, which is hive placement and installation. So this is the episode where we're going to be talking about, you know, when you get your package bees or your nukes, whichever that you get, getting everything set up, going all the way through that, you know, first inspection. I've got a ton of notes and I really don't like to do two-hour podcasts. So, I am planning to do this in probably one to two episodes. We're just going to let it flow. We'll break it up as needed and get this out as quickly as possible. So let's go ahead and get started. Obviously, you know, it's not too hard to tell, you know, in general when the spring is coming. You you look outside, you know, things start to bloom. It gets a little bit warmer. One thing I use, and I think I may have even mentioned this before, but I'm signed up on pollen.com. As soon as I see those first couple of emails, that's usually my my Zyrtec indicator because the first emails I get usually have cedar, juniper, elm, alder. Those are the first things that are blooming in my area. And if I get those emails and jump on the Zyrtec early, I can stay ahead of some of those seasonal allergies. That's kind of my first indicator. And then, of course, obviously, you know, the bees in general, when the temperature gets about 48, 50 degrees or higher, they're going to be flying. I'm always you know, around the house now. I mean, I'm here quite a bit anyway with a uh, with the, you know, the previous job where I would work from home a couple of days a week. And of course, you know, with COVID, everybody's home all the time now. So, you know, I would go outside usually at least once or twice a day and just, you know, see what the bees are up to. And as you start to do this yourself, you'll get more familiar with what I'm talking about. So it'll make more sense later. But I'm always just kind of checking to see what the returning bees look like. 
as we get into the season, we have a really high pollen counts, high nectar flow, lots of things are in bloom. You'll see those honeybees come back and their pollen sacks are just loaded down with pollen. And uh, it's to me, that's like the coolest thing, especially I, I caught a video a couple of years ago. One was coming in and she like hit the deck of the, the ramp that kind of goes into the, the hive on the hive stand and like rolled about four or five times and kind of rolled into the hive. They're just so weighed down. It's like this massive cargo plane trying to land and it, it's, it's pretty cool. I get a little geeked out on it. So yeah, you'll see those things too. You'll see the, the bees coming back with a lot of pollen. You'll know that they're working hard and trying to get things done. So from here, I think it makes sense just to go back and quick, you know, quick review on a couple things. Hive placement, I've mentioned it before. I've kind of seen the better results with my hives facing kind of south or east. It seems like in the morning that eastern sun coming up shines on the hive, shines on the entrance of the colony. That seems to wake them up and get them going. South gives good exposure kind of year-round in most of you know, the northern hemisphere where we are here in the U.S. That southern exposure tends to help kind of keep them more active. At least that's my experience be mindful of walkways and areas where people or animals are going through with some regularity. For example, at my house now, I have a center island where you park kind of in front of my house. And I've got one hive like right smack in the middle of it. And I think 99% of the people who have come to our house have not had a problem with it at all. But one time, I think it was even this past winter, like on, on a day where the bees were, it was a warm day, the bees were flying. And there was a delivery person that put something like halfway down my driveway and they got freaked out because they saw the hive and, and didn't want to come down any further. Think about things like that. If you live in a neighborhood where some of your neighbors have a tendency to get into your business and always want to look at what you're doing and complain to code enforcement or other entities about what you do, you may want to go ahead and maintain a low profile, you know, backyard in an area somewhere there's not a lot of people or animals passing through nothing that would, would scare away or deter a delivery person. These are just kind of some basic things that you want to consider around hive placement. Another thing I've mentioned before, make sure that your hive, the entire stand of the hive in the colony, has a slight slope towards the entrance. And like I had mentioned before, this is going to help in case you, know, you get like a driving rain and it pushes some water and rainwater up into the hive, it can kind of drain out. If there's anything funky that, for whatever reason, got into the hive, it has a chance to kind of drain out. I've had a couple of hives that failed, and I don't know that the fact that the, that the angle of lean was more backwards was a contributing factor, but I've had a couple of them where I didn't have them angled properly, and water had gotten in there, and it became pretty funky, and I definitely don't think that that was a, a good thing. It definitely didn't make things easier on the bees. So having that natural slope for it, again, will help keep keep the water and moisture you know rolling out the front door. Now moving on to your gear. We've talked extensively about all of that. So get get everything together, and I would recommend doing this sooner than later, right? Typically... Package bees will start showing up last week of March through most of April. Nucleus colonies tend to be more of a later April into May type of thing. Again, that just depends on what area you live in within the country or within the world for that matter. But I would start inventorying everything now. If somehow, for some reason, you missed something, you forgot something, you've lost something, this gives you a chance to go ahead and get that on order and make sure you've got it ready when your bees get here. 
So a quick review of what you're going to need. Make sure you have at least a B suit, ideally, right, with a veil either integrated into the suit or a separate veil so you're covered head to toe. Make sure that you're wearing, I recommend some kind of like a three-quarter height or even a, you know, full-size boot that would go, you know, like a calf-length boot. That's completely fine, too. Just make sure that you tuck the pant legs in. Bees are masters of finding little cracks, crevices, and openings to sting you. I cannot tell you how serious that is. They will find an opening. So tuck those, uh, tuck the pant legs down into the boots. So you got your, your boots on, you got your full suit, you want gloves. I recommend, like I had said before, you know, full gloves that have the full length arm that pulls up almost to the elbow. So it goes well over the sleeve, provides plenty of coverage there. Lots of glove options out there. Most of them are going to be pretty effective. Like I recommended before, over time, maybe you can phase the gloves out. But early on, just make sure you've got the gloves. Equally as important as all of your protective equipment is going to be your smoker, some smoker fuel. And for smoker fuel, a lot of options here. For the longest time, I would buy this stuff from Man Lake. It was in a package, you know, kind of about the size of like a cereal bag almost. And it had this material that looked kind of like the old blown-in insulation that you might find in an attic. Uh, I know it's not the same thing, but that's roughly what it looked like. I would use that, but you can use that. Pine needles, you know, oak leaves, dried up leaves, sawdust actually works pretty well to get, get fires started. I cheat pretty heavy in this area. I have one of those little small handheld blow torches that you hook onto a propane cylinder. I just throw a bunch of whatever's kind of laying around the ground into the smoker and I just hit it with the torch, you know, and then, the, you know, it, it works. I hope the sound effects worked as well as they did in my mind. Probably not. But anyway, the, uh, the little blow torch, that's what I used to get mine started. But again, sawdust is a great little fuel to kind of get things rolling along. You want a couple of thicker pieces of stick or material in there so that once they get lit and they're burning, they'll stay burning for a while. Less important if you only have one or two hives, but if you get several of them, it is nice to have the smoker burn, you know, for a couple of hours while you're working and not have to constantly be stopping to relight that. I've, I've done that before, which is kind of a pain. And hive tool, really important. I maintain... I don't know, three or four hive tools right now. One of them stays on my tool belt, basically, that I mentioned in one of the earlier videos. But it's just a small little tool belt that I clip on, and I keep like a couple of nails, hive tags, queen cages, queen markers, my hive tools in there. Again, it just makes it easier to have all those things on me. So hive tool, smoker, equipment covering the body top to bottom. You're all ready to go. Now let's jump in and talk about the physical setup. So I'm going to go ahead and do package bees first. So we'll dive into that one. Package bees are typically sold in, I think it's like the three pound package. So this is going to be kind of about the size of, if you take a shoe box and stand it up on one of the sides, it's a little bit bigger than that. But that's a pretty good rough estimate of about how big your package of bees is going to be. The top of it, there's going to be a piece of wood. It's a small panel that goes on the top of it. And what you're going to do is take your hive tool and you're going to stick that into that little panel, pop it off, and it's going to expose the top of a can. Like when you were a kid, if you grew up like in the 70s or 80s and you had the Hawaiian punch can kind of thing, you know, you use the can opener to open up two sides of it and you pour out the punch. It's the same kind of can looking thing on the top. You'll stick your hive tool into the edge and pry that can out. 
And that is how you're going to, that can is just sugar water with a couple of nail holes in the bottom of it. And that provides the bees with some sugar water, sugar syrup to kind of get them through the journey to your house. Now, before you actually continue with all of these steps, I'm, I'm going to walk you through kind of that whole process, but that's not the first thing you're going to do. So just kind of stay with me here. So when you take that all the way out, you're going to completely open this package of bees. And of course the bees can start flying out. So for now, just not worrying about that. Let's just think that you're, you're already at the installation phase where you're installing the colony. You'll pull that can out. You can set that to the side and then stapled to the top of that package is a small strap that will have a queen cage on it. And the queen cage cage is dangling inside of this package. So you'll just reach in, you'll kind of pop that off where it's stapled to the top and you'll have that cage in your hand. Now what I usually do with this cage kind of depends on where I am and what gear I have and what I'm doing. But in general, I will just set the queen cage on the frames of the hive as I'm getting ready to do the install. I'll, I'll cover this in more detail in a minute. And at that point in time, now you've got the queen and the queen cage out, you've got the sugar water out, and you've got the bees ready to be installed. Now, before I actually would do that piece of things, let's talk about what we're putting them into. Hey, everyone, thank you for listening. I hope that you're enjoying the show and are finding the information to be useful and valuable. In order to help keep the lights on, we do need to take a quick commercial break. Thank you so very much for hanging in there, and I appreciate you. We will be right back. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, everyone, welcome back, and thank you for staying with us today. As always, feel free to reach out if you have any questions or comments. I always enjoy hearing about your experiences, answering questions, and learning more about the challenges you're facing in different parts of the world. So please keep them coming. It's Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. Now let's get back to the show on the Beekeeping for Newbies radio network. Okay, that's not a real thing, but I'm trying to make it sound more official, so just play along, all right? Thanks a lot. You can install your package bees into almost anything that you want. You can do a two-frame, three-frame, four-frame, five-frame nuke. You can do a traditional Langstroth eight-frame, ten-frame. You can do whatever you want to do. Whatever equipment you have around, you can use it. My recommendation is to keep in mind a couple of things. A package of bees literally has nothing. There's no pollen. There's no nectar. There's no food reserves. There's no comb that's drawn up. There's nowhere for the queen to lay eggs. I mean, it is a completely resourceless hive. So it's great if you already have drawn comb. Like if you know another beekeeper who can give you a frame of drawn comb, that will put your bees a little bit ahead of the game. That'd be great. But one thing that is really important, I don't think that this is stressed enough. I know it certainly was not when I started years ago. But it gets into the feeding options of bees. A lot of people will sit there and say, well, it's the springtime. There's plenty of nectar. You don't need to supplemental feed the colonies. And I know where they're coming from, and I get that. Here is a problem that I have seen. I saw it last year. I've seen it in other years, and I've reaped the consequences of not doing anything about it. And what's happened before is I have installed a package of bees on a Saturday or a Sunday, and had two, three, four days of rain. If those bees do not have a food source, they are not going to draw up comb because there's no sense in them wasting the time, energy, and resources to draw up comb when they've got nothing to put into it. So if they can't leave the hive and go out in search of pollen and nectar, they're not going to do anything. And if it's pouring down rain outside, they can't fly in the rain. They're going to die. Now let's step back for a second. When you take a colony, a brand new colony of bees, and stick them into a brand new box or hive, they have to do everything. So they have to draw the comb. The queen has to start laying eggs. They have to raise the eggs to larva, to brood. They got to cap the brood. They got to, you know, feed the newly born bees. And all of these things are a process. So let's just say within the first three or four days, that there's a great food source available, they're bringing in nectar, they're bringing in pollen, and they have all the ingredients and things they need for that queen to start laying eggs and making more bees. They don't have drawn comb. So these bees have to hustle. They got to get the comb drawn up just so the queen can start laying eggs. When she lays that first egg, 
at that point in time, you're three weeks away from seeing the first new bee. So these colonies, these packaged bees, they're going to have somewhere around like, as long as they survived this journey to your house, somewhere around eight to 10,000 bees. But you're probably going to be losing a couple of hundred bees a day to old age, to predators, you know, bees, spiders, um, I'm sorry, not bees, birds, spiders, you know, anything else in the environment that might eat a bee. You know, sometimes bees get, they get lost, um, you know, from time to time and they end up going into another colony or they call that drift. They'll end up drifting to another colony if there's others in your area. Lots of things can happen. You're probably going to lose about, you know, like I said, about 200, 250, depending on whose numbers you're using, bees per day. So you won't see the first bee from that colony for three weeks. So it's critically important that that queen be able to lay eggs right away and get things rolling along. So going back to that original scenario I'm te- I was telling you about, you have multiple days of rain. The bees have no food that they can eat. And I have seen colonies starve in this situation. If they can't get out and they can't get to food, they might starve. So this is where I would say if you intend to start with package bees, and that's fine, make sure you're using some kind of a feeder inside the hive. Like me personally, I've, I've tried several different types. Different types work better for different colonies. If I'm doing a nucleus colony, I use a frame feeder. So I'll put, let's say I'm using one of my four frame nukes. I will put in one frame of drawn comb, two frames of undrawn wax foundation, and one frame will be a frame feeder full of sugar water. So now you close the colony up, close, you know, close the hive, close everything up, pours down rain for two days. Those bees are working for two days, right? They're in there. They're drinking that sugar water. They're drawing up comb, and as soon as the weather gets good, they're gone. They're outside gathering what they need. For the larger colonies, if I'm doing like a 10-frame, you know, more traditional kind of hive, with that, I would do a top feeder. I have a greater capacity. I can put more sugar water in the top feeders than I would in a frame feeder works just as well and definitely very effective for kind of giving a boost to some some even a a colony that's been around you know that just overwintered they may be low on resources and they're ready to kickstart things in the spring nothing wrong with that if the bees don't want it right if there is plenty of carbs and there's plenty of nectar available for them out in the environment they just won't drink the sugar water So when you do an inspection, if you look in there and the bees aren't taking the sugar water, then get rid of it, right? Some, some people will tell you, feed them sugar water until they stop taking it. I'm, I'm okay with that. Worst case scenario, you give it to them and they don't use it and then you stop giving it to them. But if you deny it and they need it, it's going to cause problems. And like I had said before, you know, I, I really recommend inside the colony feeders in the springtime as you get later in the season, when you get into what we see here in Virginia anyway, your, your June, July, August kind of dearth where really there's nothing blooming, probably honestly until like early to mid-August, that's where I use open feeding. That's where I have feeders that are just outside in the bee yard or your yard, and the bees can just go and get whatever they want. Some people would, would argue that, oh, you know, open feeding causes aggressive behavior and, you know, it draws bees from other areas that might make robbing more common around your other colonies and things. 
I don't know what to say on that one. I mean, the bees are pretty competitive. They do kind of, you know, jockey for position on the feeders. That's just kind of what they do. As far as robbing goes, the the only change or modification that I tend to make is once we get through that big nectar flow in the April-May time frame, I reduce the entrance on the hives down to about an inch and a half or so. And you can definitely adjust that based on the size of the colony. If I have really big colonies, I just leave it fully open all year long and I don't worry about it. You know, there's that colony that I mentioned at the very beginning here today where they're outside. It's a nuke. It's a five-frame nuke. It's three stacks of five frames. So I got 15 frames vertically in that nucleus colony. But the front door of that's been wide open for the last year. It's just a super strong colony, not an issue. Some of your smaller colonies, especially your package bees and your startups, give them like three quarters of an inch, maybe a one inch entrance, and they can run with that. They're fine with it. If you start seeing a lot of congestion at the door with bees coming in and out, then just make it a little bit bigger. It's no big deal. Make it an inch and a half, two inches. But you don't necessarily need to have it wide open. It is good to have it open, particularly in the summertime for airflow, to let air come in and and help the bees ventilate things. Also, using vented bottom boards can help with that as well. But, you know, just respond to what the bees present. If you see the bees are bearding, what they call bearding, which is that you look at the hive and it literally looks like an old man with a big beard hanging from it, that's a ventilation thing. They're just, they're hot inside the hive. They've gone outside to cool off a little bit. So maybe you need to look at some ventilation. One thing I do with some of my colonies is I'll drill holes in the back of them. And then I staple a piece of number eight hardware cloth, which is, you know, eight squares per inch. So the bees cannot go through it. I staple that down and then I cover it in the wintertime. So it provides more ventilation, allows more airflow, you know, and it's big enough to keeps out hive beetles and wax moths and things. So just another idea. So now let's cover kind of the physical installation of the colony. And this is going to apply whether it's a four-frame nuke, five-frame, ten-frame, you know, traditional colony. However your layout is, you're going to do the same thing. Now, one thing that is, I guess is good and bad about beekeeping is that if you ask, you know, 20 beekeepers a question, there are some things you might get 20 different answers on. So I'm going to tell you what I do. If someone else comes to you and says, hey, that guy's crazy, this is what I do, take it with a grain of salt, right? Take their approach, take my approach, try them both. See which one works best for you. If I tell you something that's completely off the wall and someone else says, that guy's crazy and it fails for you miserably, let me know. I'd be curious to know, you know what happened. But if you have a better way, I'm all ears, right? I'm always looking to learn something new. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, try different things and see what works best for you. The one thing that I do is I take sugar water and I put it into a spray bottle. So you have your package of bees and you have your sprayer and you got your sugar water mixed in there. So what I do, I'm I'm completely ready to do my install. I've got my gear on, I'm ready to go. Let's just talk about like a 10 frame hive. And again, this is going to apply to anything, but we'll use this as an example. I go ahead and pull out about three frames in the middle of that. So you're, you're standing there in front of the hive Everything's ready to go. Your frames are off to the side. You've got your sugar water. You've got your hive tool. And you're going to want to have a nail, one single nail handy. So you go through now. You're getting ready to go through the process I was explaining before. You take the sugar water 
spray both sides. You're gonna it's it's screened in, so you're gonna be able to spray through the the screen, and you'll spray some sugar water onto the bees. This is gonna kind of cover them in sugar water, and they're gonna be kind of cleaning themselves off. It, it makes it harder for them to fly, and it kind of keeps them a little preoccupied while you're getting ready to install them. Then you go back and you do everything I was telling you before, which I probably should have looked at my sequence here a little bit better. But you pop the top off, you wedge the hive tool, you kind of wedge out the the can. And this is where before I take the can completely away, I make sure I get my fingers on that strap that is holding the the queen cage. And I go ahead and rip that out and pull that out so that I'm it's in my fingers. I then pull the can out, pull the queen cage out, set the can back in. So now I've got the queen cage in my hand. Eight or ten bees are on that. And I just set that off to the side on one of the frames that is still inside the hive body. So there, you know, the bees will walk around there. No big deal. Queen's in the cage. Everything's fine. Now, with my left hand, I hold the can in place very firmly. And then with my right hand, I hold the package. And I bounce the package off the ground. Now, I don't throw it. I just kind of slam it down. What that does is it takes any bees that are up near the top of the package, and it drops them to the bottom. You then yank the can out, take the package, flip it upside down into the hive, and then just start shaking it back and forth, left to right, left to right, forward back, left to right, forward back, until probably 95% of all the bees are out of the package. Then you can just set the package down right in front of the hive, and over time the remaining bees will come out, They'll make their way up into the colony, and I usually remove that package the next morning or sometime the next day. So now the bees are in this big cluster inside the colony. Take the the frames that you pulled out and just gently set them back into the hive. Now you'll probably notice that they're going to be two, three inches higher because there's a big cluster of bees under them. Don't push down. Don't press down. Just set the frame in and let it kind of settle in, and as the bees start moving around, within a couple of seconds, the frame will it'll settle all the way in, and that part of things will kind of be done. Now you're going to grab the queen cage. On one side of the queen cage is going to be a cork plug. The opposite side is going to also have a cork plug. The one side will have a cork plug, but behind it is going to be a big chunk of sugar. It's just a, it's like a sugar candy, just something to give the attendant bees and the queen something to eat while they're in transit. So you're going to take the nail that you have, pop that piece of cork out, and then I usually take the nail and I stick it in, I poke into that sugar clump, that clump of, it's almost like a solid kind of fondant or something, uh, sugar candy. I push into that to break it a little bit so that I can kind of almost peek through and just see a little bit of, you know, a pathway all the way through. From here, I then take that, and there's a couple different ways you can do this part, but I just take the queen cage, and I put it with the sugar side up, and I squeeze it in between two frames, and then I put the top, the inner cover, outer cover, and I walk away. And that's all you got to do. What happens now is the queen is in the cage. There's queen pheromone inside the hive because the queen is in the cage and, and in the hive. And the bees are going to start getting oriented and checking things out. The fact that the queen is there should make them want to stay. So they should kind of rally around her. And they will eat at that candy over the next couple days until they can get to her. And by that time, they should be pretty well adjusted to her scent. And then she'll come out and get to work. 
I would typically allow, you know, two to three days for that to happen. And then probably about another four or five days for them to start getting to the point where, you know, they're drawing up comb, they're getting to work. You know, that That's pretty much everything you have to do to get that package of bees installed. The next step in that would be your inspection. And I would recommend, you know, if you do an install on a Saturday, as an example, maybe do your inspection seven or eight days later the following weekend. Now we'll move, move over to nucleus colonies and kind of talk about that install. So if you get a nucleus colony from a apiary, there's usually a couple of different options that you might see. So you should have this discussion and dialogue with your local uh, apiary slash beekeeper before you, know, before you pick up your nucleus colony because you don't want to have any surprises. One option would be you're going to pay them a certain price. You're going to go to them and they are going to sell you a box with frames and everything you need and you're going to leave with that. Option two would be you bring to them your nucleus colony. They take their frames and their bees out, and they basically put you know put the frames in your box. They shake whatever bees are just inside the box down on top of your box. You close everything up, and you take your box home. And then option three would be, uh, I've seen some places do this where they have a cardboard, like a temporary nucleus colony. It's in cardboard. And you just put the frames and everything into this cardboard box. You close everything up. You bring it home. And then you install into your physical wooden, you know, wooden boxes that you have. Whether or not you decide to keep your bees in certain containers and sizes and things, it's 100% your decision. There's pros and cons to everything. You know, I can definitely dive into that a little bit. But, you know, like I said, I'm a big fan of using nucleus colonies. I'll do four and five frame nukes. I'll stack them up two, three, four, five high. Because to me, a more narrow space for bees more closely resembles their natural habitat, which would be like a dead tree, you know, a standing tree that's dead. It has a hollowed out space. That's probably where a honeybee might make a a new colony, right? So uh, again, narrow and vertical. Bees like to move vertically. They don't really like to move horizontally that much. That's my preference. That's what I like to do. For a new beekeeper, um, there's nothing wrong with saying, look, I just want basic. I'll figure out the details later. You just need to be aware that if you put down a regular 10-frame hive, they may only start drawing things out in the middle. They don't always necessarily understand space to the sides as being expansion space. They have a little bit of trouble sometimes moving left and right and moving up. Sometimes, again, it just depends. I've had some colonies that will literally draw up the whole box and they don't think twice about it. I've had some where they like they really stay on the middle couple of frames. And if I add another hive body on top of it, they'll just go vertically and they'll start adding more on top of that, but they won't touch the sides. There are tricks and things you can do to make them draw those other areas of comb and things you can do to encourage that, which we're definitely not going to get into now. But coming back to installing that nuke, so you can, whichever of the three options that I just threw out, your installation doesn't change. If they gave you hardware, you can use that hardware. If you took your hardware there and filled it with the frames they gave you, you bring it home, you place it wherever you want to place it, and you're done. If you have the cardboard box, then you come home, you go to wherever your box is going to be, you pull the frames out, put them in the same order in general your capped brood and your brood chamber is going to be kind of towards the middle. Honey frames or, or undrawn comb would be towards the outside. And that's kind of all there is to it. 
And then again, if you're going to go into more t- traditional 10 frame Langstroth hive, then you could just, you know, pull out four or five frames from the middle, put the four or five frames from the nuke in there, close everything up, business as usual. Now, I realize that, you know, especially after I say the things, like I, I've made a couple of notes and then I try to put those notes into something that makes sense. And as I, I've written things down and I, and I say it out loud, it makes me realize more and more how important it is to add some kind of a visual component to this. Now, I know that you can go to YouTube and you can say, you know, you can just do a search for install package bees. And I guarantee you there's probably 2,000 videos on installing package bees. I've just made a, a pretty big investment recently in some AV equipment so I can start making audio and video and recording things. So I am definitely going to put together some videos. I don't have any package bees that I'm buying this year. I know with the, the USPS this year and them not guaranteeing shipments and things, I just didn't want to mess with it. And I've got plenty of nukes I can split from, so I'm not too worried there. But I fully intend to create videos around everything I'm doing. And then that way, you know, I can get you links over to the YouTube page and I can say, yeah, go to the page and look for this video or look for that video. And then you can listen to the podcast. You can hear, hear it in your mind, kind of visualize what that might look like and then sit down and actually watch the how-to video. And I'm hoping that those two combined together will make a lot more sense than just listening to it. That's where I'm going to kind of wrap up right now because I'm, you know, I'm definitely hitting kind of a time threshold here. I've got a lot of notes still. I mean, we, we kind of touched on the feeding and, and how important that is. I can't stress that enough. Make sure you get something inside the, the hives. We talked about your gear, hive placement, getting that initial install done. I'm going to get into the details of the inspection. So that is, is going to be critical. So you get the, the colony installed. Everything's good to go. It's all closed up. You walk away for a week. You come back, and now that's going to where we're going to start the next episode, be episode eight, your first inspection. Again, thank you very much for tuning in and for listening. And, you know, I've gotten a lot of emails and questions from folks, and I really, really appreciate that. I enjoy the engagement and the dialogue. And, you know, keep the questions coming and get excited. Spring's here, so we got a lot of cool things coming up. As always, hit me up if you have any questions. It's just Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. On the website, there's a contact us kind of form you can fill out and just shoot me a note. And we'll catch up with you folks here again on Episode 8 for the actual inspection details. Have a great weekend. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon.